0: Hi, friend, and welcome to Feel Goodery, a show where we take the things that make us feel like crap or hot garbage or shameful or embarrassed, let the air to them and leave feeling a little gooder. It's the new year. It is 2024, which is wild. And if there's one thing that has the potential to make us feel shameful or disappointed in ourselves, it's resolutions and the pressure we can put on ourselves this time of year. So it's a feel goodery spin on the crappery of resolutions and what we can do instead. As always, Feel Goodery is recorded in front of a live studio dog. First sparkle of the day coming up. Glad you're here. Here we go. Hello, again. It's a two-hello day. Uh, Happy 2024. It is the first week of it. How is... How are you doing? How is your hangover doing? This show is being released on January 4th, so if you are over the age of 30... You're probably maybe just starting to feel like yourself if you partied hard on New Year's. We know this, but it is wild how much worse hangovers get the older you get. Like when you were 20, you could rage all night and still feel like yourself the next morning and get on with the day. Maybe maybe you joked that you were like kind of hungover to fit in with the adults, but in all reality, you didn't know what the hell you were talking about. And then when we get older, maybe 30 or 35 and then beyond, Each year seems to add a day to the number of days the hangover takes to clear your system. Like in your earlier 20s, the hangover, if any, lasted hours. But the older you get, it is days until you feel like yourself again. And there's sort of a normal trajectory with hangovers. You know, day one of the hangover is the physical symptoms. Maybe you have a headache or you're nauseous. Like for sure, you have that endless tired feeling because even though you slept last night you didn't really get that restorative sleep because that's what alcohol does it prevents you from properly sleeping so you have that tired feeling all day maybe there's a little anxiety but the anxiety is sort of trumped by how terrible you feel physically and then day 2 of the hangover is all about anxiety because because you've had one good sleep you're physically feeling a little bit better but this is where your mind Finally gets to come out and play and bring up all the demons you thought you had dealt with years ago because it's it's anxiety as they call it, so anxiety is high in day two, and then day three is the day where anxiety is a little bit better, but your brain's just a little bit foggy you're not exactly yourself, maybe maybe you're a little anxious, maybe you're a little depressed, who knows it that's the fun it's like party mix, but regardless, you just don't feel like you and then day four which is like, this is January 4th. So hopefully is where things get back on track, but maybe not. You know, I know I know some people who don't feel like themselves until after a week, but that really can be because there's another issue going on entirely and maybe, maybe the liver needs some extra support if it needs that much uh, bounce back after a night out. So all this to say, a little bit of a tangent, but I hope you're feeling good today. I hope you're feeling like yourself and... I hope you're not putting too much on on yourself this week, because this first week back can sometimes feel like a lot. We're coming off the break where we all slowed down, even if we were working, you know, we all collectively understand that the week between Christmas and New Year's is like slow time, and now it's back to normal, and there can be this resistance that we feel. like, we're, Like, we're all the little kids that don't wanna come back inside from recess, and if we do, we're going to come in kicking and screaming. And that is this week back. This is also the time of year where everyone talks about resolutions, you know? New year, new me, or whatever marketing lingo is going around. And listen, there's nothing wrong with new year, new me. I want us to want things (laughs) for ourselves. But here's the thing, and this is a huge generalization, so please bear with me. There's a point to this. But I propose that there are two different kinds of people. One, the ones who go into the year, the new year with optimism and big goals. You know, this is the year where I'm going to work out 7 days a week. I'm not going to eat any sugar. I'm going to cook my own food and oh my god, I'm going to become wonderful. And that's a reference from 30 Rock, one of my favorites where she's just she's just so excited and she says with like sheer hope, I'm going to become wonderful. Every day I want to say that to myself. Anyways, Uh, that's the one type. And the caveat to this group is that when you make goals that require massive lifestyle shifts and massive change, they become really hard to stick to. And what can happen is that a week or two weeks or a month down the line, those goals get dropped entirely and you go back to baseline. I mean, we've all heard the the stats that most resolutions don't make it to February. Some estimates say that it's like 80% of resolutions fail and only 8% of people stick to their resolutions all year long. So there is hope, but when huge resolutions are made that require massive change, it's a really steep hill to climb. So I'm all for becoming wonderful, but this group, it's a tough hill to climb. So that's the first type of person. The second type of person is the one who hears about these stats on the news year after year that most resolutions fail. So because of it, never makes any resolutions at all. Maybe they used to in the past, maybe they didn't, but for whatever reason, the second group or the second person decides not to make any resolutions whatsoever. Maybe it's because they hear the stats and are discouraged. Maybe it's because they're scared of trying in the first place in case they fail, which would make them feel worse, which is absolutely fair. Or maybe it's because the idea of any change is just so absolutely terrifying that it can not be attempted, which is also fair. Change can be immensely scary, and we humans do not like change. So I did say that was a generalization, but I say it for a reason, because there are those extremes this time of year. You know, on the one side, it's new year, new me. It's time to do a complete overhaul and strip everything top to bottom. And on the other side, it's the discouraged what's the point of even trying side of things? And if you're like me, maybe you've experienced both of those sides depending on what your mood was like on a given year. And both sides of these extremes, they have their own weird benefits and their own weird drawbacks. For the new year, new me side, the weird benefit is the hope that extreme change will bring extreme reward and you'll be feeling the best you've perhaps ever felt. And the weird drawback is that, like we said, when the goals are that high, the fall is that much further if those goals aren't met with disappointment and discouragement being at the bottom of that drop. For the other side, the no resolution, what's the point of even trying side, the weird benefit is that nothing changes and you get to stay in your zone of comfort, which tends to be the place that is comfortable for us, but not necessarily good for us because not a ton of growth happens here. And the drawback for this side is that you don't even try, so you don't even know the world in which you might feel just a little bit better. So with that, today, I want to propose that we meet somewhere in the middle because it's a shame not to try. And it's also a shame when we set the bar so high for ourselves that we we set ourselves up for a loss out the gate. So rather than no goals at all, and rather than huge goals that require massive upheaval, we're going to go over some small shifts to consider trying on for size that when done consistently, add up to a lasting change for the better. And there's different terms for this this concept. Some call it micro shifts or incremental change. It's the idea that making tiny tweaks to your habits little changes that are so doable that they almost feel like second nature. And because of that, they're easier to stick to. And because of that, lead to more successful long-term outcomes. So for example, instead of the, the drastic, I'll work out for two hours every day from nothing goal, a micro shift would be committing to a 10 minute morning stretch or walk routine. And for me, the big reason I love this concept is that these changes or tweaks are subtle enough that they are easily doable. So you do it, And when you do it, you feel a little bit better. You feel a little, you feel a little gooder. Trademark. I'm kidding. I haven't trademarked it yet, but if you're legal, I have. And when you feel good, it's easier to keep going and easier to find the gumption to tackle bigger goals. When you feel good, you do good, which is something I say a lot. Is it annoying to hear sometimes depending on your mood? Hell yes, but does it make it wrong? No. So you can call them what you will, what you want. You can call it small change, uh, little change, micro shift, uh, nano adjustment, a pocket-sized tweak or bitty budge, whatever whatever you need. That's what it is. But for today, because uh, micro shifts and small change sound so formal, and I have talked about poo on this show before, I'm gonna lean away from the formal and call these teeny weeny tweaks. So I'm going to share Five teeny weeny tweaks for your consideration. The goal is not to apply them all, but maybe choose one that you can see yourself trying on for size. And then down the line, when that one's running on autopilot, choose another. The beauty in all of these is that they all help you feel good in different ways. There there are different ways in. Because when you feel good, you do good. And it's easier to add on more. So let us get into it. Teeny-weeny tweaks for your consideration. Teeny-weeny tweak number one, try to fast for 12 hours between dinner and breakfast. We're gonna be doing a whole nother episode on intermittent fasting, but in general, one of the best things you can do for your gut, for your sleep, for your brain, is taking a decent break between dinner and breakfast. It's really easy for us to have dinner, either eat dinner late or eat dinner early, and then snack at night after dinner, watching TV before going to bed, and then we get up and eat and keep going. And by doing that, we don't give our digestive system a break. So the teeny weeny tweak that can make a big difference is fasting for about 12 hours between dinner and breakfast. And it doesn't have to be every night, but if you make this tweak, you know, a few nights a week, it really can go a long way. So for example, if you stop eating dinner at 7 p.m., And don't eat breakfast until 7 a.m. the next morning. That's a successful 12-hour fast. You did it. Now, when you do this, a few beneficial things take place. One, you support a better night's sleep. And the reason is that this fasting aligns with our body's natural circadian rhythm and can allow our body to rest and repair while we sleep instead of digesting the food we ate right before bed. Two, the fasting period uh, triggers the activation of something called our migrating motor complex, which is essentially the housekeeper of our gut, which helps remove residual food particles, bacteria and other debris from our gut that, that shouldn't be hanging around for too long. And this, this electromechanical process is essential for a healthy gut and only happens in the absence of food. And three, you give your digestive system a proper break and also gives an opportunity for the body to regulate and diminish inflammatory markers, which contributes to an overall reduction in inflammation, which is good for your health as well. So of course, longer fasts can be done, but at the bare minimum, this 12 hour break between dinner and breakfast is a really just good general thing to do once in a while and if you're interested in longer intermittent fasting or time-restricted feeding which is a a technical the way people do intermittent fasting is technically time-restricted feeding in the in the science community anyways if you're interested in any of the fasting stuff this is a great place to start and it's just 12 hours and a really great habit to get into and it's a teeny weeny tweak all right teeny weeny tweak number two replace i have to with i get to. This is a mindset shift that can sometimes really go a long way. Now, i i say this with love, but we humans, myself included, we love to bitch. We love to complain. Love it. Delicious. Ugh, i have to go to work. I have to work out. I have to call Heather back. And honestly, when we preface what we're about to do with i have to it does create this natural drag or this burden and creates this this natural resistance that ends up making the task more tedious but when you shift i have to with i get to it introduces an element of gratitude and if there's one thing we know it's that when it comes to a happy life gratitude does work as annoying as it is sometimes the research is getting more and more clear. So by saying, I get to go to work, it has an air that, geez, I'm I'm really lucky to be employed and have money that enters my bank account. Or I get to work out. I'm lucky that I, I can move my body and, and sweat a little bit. Or I get to call Heather back. You have a friend you can connect with. And sure, she'll ream you out for making a scene at her wedding, but she forgives you and we're happy for that. I digress. Jokes aside, and corniness aside, because I know this, this teeny weeny tweak has the, the cornflake meter flying because it is corny, but making the switch from I have to to I get to, even a couple times a week, it really can help cultivate appreciation for the present moment. And it also adds a little bit of empowerment because you're choosing to do this action, which in itself can contribute to a more optimistic and, and more resilient outlook. So it might be little, but it might be worth trying on for size. And if you actually, Heather was a hypothetical person, but if you happen to know a Heather that you're dreading calling because maybe you did make a scene at her wedding, call me because that means I might be psychic and I need to start that side hustle sooner than later. Teeny weeny tweak number three. Add variety to the diet whenever possible. One of the best things you can do to support your microbiome, which impacts every other piece of your health, is to increase variety in the diet, largely in the form of plants. The more variety you get in, the more different types of fibers and polyphenols you get in, which work to feed your good bacteria, who then start to produce beneficial substances for you. And there's support out there that shows that 30 different plants a week helps to foster the healthiest microbiomes. Now, I know that 30 number is a lot. So the teeny weeny tweak here is to just add variety when and where you can. And here's what variety can mean. It can mean adding more spices and herbs to your cooking. It can mean buying different kinds of your favorite staples. So for example, if you normally buy Fuji apples – maybe try Red Delicious or Gala next time. Even within the same category, variety can make a difference. It can also mean trying one new veggie a week. And it can can also mean diving into more soups and stews where you're able to throw a ton of different veggies into one large pot and really get a lot done in one meal. So there's a lot of ways to do it. So rather than focusing on a number, the teeny, the teeny, teeny, I knew I was gonna start flubbing this, the teeny weeny tweak, is just to start thinking of how you can change things up little by little and how you can add just a touch of variety and and novelty to your current diet. Teeny-weeny tweak number four, breathe deep before you eat. I have talked about this before and we do hear it a lot, but it's something most of us honestly still do not do. So for good health, We want to support our digestive system so it's able to properly break down the food we eat and turn it into fuel for ourselves. We know this. We also know that we live in a stressed out friggin' world. Whether you feel like you're stressed or not, the truth is that we all lead busy lives where we go from one thing to the next, from email to text to project to social media. We get triggered. And the reality is, this puts us in fight or flight more often than we might realize, and then we eat. But the last thing our bodies are worried about when we're in a state of stress is digesting our food. When we're stressed, blood is shunted away from our digestive system and into our extremities so we can fight and face the threat at hand. And that threat, as we know, isn't normally an actual physical threat. It's just our own minds being like runaway anxious monsters. So, in order to put energy back into our digestive system so we properly digest our food, we need to eat in a calm state. We need to go from sympathetic fight or flight to rest and digest. And although it would be just great to be in a meditative state all day long, so eating was just a, a calm part of it all, it's we're not. We don't do this. So One way we can get around that, at the bare minimum, is taking time before we eat to do a few deep intentional breaths. And I know it sounds kind of goopy, guys, but it really does make a difference. And the fifth one, teeny tweak number five, add protein to the first part of your day. Most people are under-consuming protein as a whole which can result in a whole host of different issues from hormonal issues to skin problems, to mood swings and anxiety, to increased cravings. And if you look at a typical breakfast, lunch, and dinner for a lot of us, breakfast or that first meal of the day is typically the meal with the lowest amount of protein. So because of this, the first meal of the day is normally the easiest one to teeny weeny tweak. Now, the easiest way to do this without changing what you're currently eating or doing is by adding something like a protein powder or a collagen powder to your morning routine. Whether that's making a shake or adding the powder to your oatmeal, if you're an oatmeal person, or uh, making, making, making a coffee, frothy kind of coffee latte with collagen powder, these typically tend to be the path of least resistance. But of course, you can also change your first meal. You can add in eggs if you tolerate eggs or consume leftover dinner, you know, the next day, which is higher in protein, however you want to do it, when you protein load your day, you tend to be more satiated. And people who do this tend to experience fewer cravings later on in the day, largely because when you up the protein of your meals you support more stable blood sugar levels which results in fewer cravings now i recognize that out of all the the teeny weeny tweaks we talked about today this last one might seem like a bigger change but i still wanted to include it because it is one of those changes that really can make a difference and have a ripple effect on your overall health that sound means it is time for the first feel good thing of 2024 which are little weird things that might make us feel good that deserve a spot in the momentary spotlight so we can train our brains to seek out the good because they are so good at seeking out the bad so today's feel good thing is that slight glimmer of hope that even the most pessimistic of us feel in the new year maybe it's not huge but come new years there's that little hope that this next year will be different and better in in some way. It's that little feeling, that little glimmer of hope or excitement that somehow finds its way in despite your best efforts, even if it's fleeting. And even if we then try to shut it down because we've we've been burned too many times before, it's that little spark that still comes back and is worth appreciating because hope is never a bad thing. All right, my friend, we have covered five little changes or teeny weeny tweaks, which I'm sure was a, a, a fun term at first, but now you're sick of hearing. And by no means do you have to pick any of the five that we talked about today. As always, with this show and anything you see, take what you need and leave the rest. But maybe if, if none of them sounded like the right fit, maybe you can think of one that might work for you that you can try on for size. The trick is that they're small enough to be doable but different enough that they add in something new to your day. The thing is, there is a lot of things we have failed at as grown-ups. There's habits we've wanted to start but failed to keep up with, and that can make us feel discouraged and disappointed, and that can easily lead to losing faith in ourselves, where we stop believing we can do anything. And that really is the true shame of the whole thing. But we fall so we can get back up and try again. So my hope for all of us this year, for myself, for you, for the people in your life, is that we don't stop trying. And it doesn't have to be the big stuff. Try for the little. Try for the teeny weenie. The teeniest of weenies. And before you know it, you might just feel a little gooder. I hope you try. I hope you have a wonderful day ahead and a wonderful year ahead. And I will see you next week on Feel Goodery. And now for The Legal Stuff. The information provided in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. Please always consult with your healthcare provider.